Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235. And let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Crazy bunch, crazy bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice weather. Mm-hmm. They like it, and so yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> uh, we uh, we didn't get a chance. So we just discussed a few things before the show, but I forgot to Mike asked how his ask Mike how his week was going. So how's your week going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a. Well, I was going to tell you about this. Before the show started, because it's it's not related, but then again, that's pretty much how we start every show. But um, every show, I was driving, I was driving the other day, as you know, where I where I drive uh, to make right. my uh, uh, wages anyway. And uh, I was behind a charter bus, and it was uh, the storms had started moving in from the north, and I don't know, I can't remember what night it was. It was t- uh, Tuesday, probably Tuesday night, and. All of us, and it was lightning frequently and all this kind of stuff, and you could see the cloud-to-cloud lightning. and I mean, it was pretty rough. And then all of a sudden, right. I'm, I'm probably two bus, bus lengths behind him. All of a sudden, there was a bright flash. A bolt of lightning hit the, uh, a stop sign, blew the top of the oh. stop sign out, hit the bus, oh. and blew oh. the back of the charter bus like it scorched the top of it, but all the lights blew. Just like, like <laughs> crack. I mean, oh just blew God. off the bus. And so the guy keeps driving, and I'm behind him. I'm I don't know if I'm supposed to like wet the seat or what, but you know what the reaction should be. And that, uh, I was like, in, I was conflicting myself with that. Should I or should I not? You know? And uh, cause yeah. I was real close to it. I mean, and the the noise was just like. I mean, it was like boom. Like, oh I know. They're so loud the now whole, when you're close. Yeah. The yeah, the the post that the stop sign was on was glowing. I mean, just for a, you know, a couple of seconds, just like it's just like like that, just in a split. Oh second. my god! The guy keeps driving on, and but I'm staying back. Like I don't think he knows. He has to know. You had to hear it because he was passing it to. just as. Yeah. He, yeah. He he passed that intersection where the stop sign was. The back end and the stop sign were even when the lightning hit. That's that's the last thing I remember because I, I don't know I was I was like trying to find a, a place to, to go to the bathroom but so yeah really can, yeah, just clean up <laughs> so, so I'm pulling alongside of him and his and his bus is making noises and it's like <laughs> I go this guy needs to pull off now he's in the middle lane and all of a sudden he turns his signal on and he and I'm flashing him like get over get and it's pouring rain and I was like oh my god I've never seen anything like that I have never oh seen my. 
I've never seen a, you know, a, a, like a tree, you know, I mean, when we get lightning here all the right. time, but this was right. close. Yeah. I mean, it was like, wow. And it's nighttime and it just came out of nowhere. And, um, that, that's totally blind. You. Never seen this. So bright. Oh yeah. Totally blind you. <laughs> it was incredible. And, and just the, Oh my God, the immenseness of this thing. And, and so quick, it was just like, you know, Oh, the telephone pole is glowing some kind of arced yellow <laughs> color. The top of the sign blew off. The back of the bus oh now is, is going nuts. It's just like in a split second, you're going through all this stuff. And I go, oh, my gosh. Oh. So he he drove, he drove got off the side of the road, and, and uh, I could hear his bus, like, you know, having issues and stuff. And I, I had to keep going. But I was like, oh, my God, that was terrible. I don't know what happened. I couldn't tell if anybody was on board or not. But uh, I, I guess. Uh, yes. And, and, you know, you oh, never yeah. know. Yeah, I did, and and they even got out and they were like, "Oh my God, we couldn't believe we saw this." <laughs> like, yeah, I'm still shaking about you know, and I couldn't tell them that. Oh no, we were okay, we're fine. <laughs> Get off yeah. the bus. We Especially when you're shaking. <laughs> you know? oh, did you see that? <laughs> as soon as they left, I had to close the door. Like, oh my God, we almost did it, you know. But, um, it's just amazing. And, and I mean, it could, it could happen anywhere. So I ran to the car cause I was like, I'm not getting stuck out here, you know? And I mean, it's just, it's the power of that. I've never seen that before. Just, just amazing. It is, it, um, I, I've been close to lightning strikes and, you know, and they, they hit, they'll hit a, a parking lot or something when you're in a building and it just like, mm-hmm. you, you, there's nothing like it. Like you said, you just can't describe it unless you've actually been through it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, I, I'll never forget, I was working many years ago uh, on a late shift, driving home, I stopped by this gas station to, I don't know, pick up something. The kid behind the counter was so visibly upset. I mean, he was, he was shaking and I go, what's wrong? And he says, a lightning strike just hid out in the parking lot like five minutes before that. And he Ooh. says, I can just see, see it hitting the gas tanks and blowing up the entire, you know, area. Oh, yeah. But, but he was still visibly shaken. I mean, this was five minutes later, and he just like, oh, my God. I said, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know it's scary. If, you, if you've never been in or near and all that, it just, uh, yeah. it, it's something you can't describe. It really no. is. Just, uh, it's, it's enormous. It's so quick, but it's so loud and and just and so you know, bright. The brightness, like somebody took yeah, it's terrible. Right in your eyes, um, white now. Yeah. And the and these new cars and I don't know if people realize this because I was I was at another place in Tampa, my my previous employment, and in the parking lot, three vehicles that were kind of parked like a space between each other. Uh, it was a right. major thunderstorm. I guess a, a lightning struck a pole nearby. And the static electricity knocked out the computers of all three cars sitting next to it. And <laughs> oh, wow. Neither, and the, the way I found out about it is somebody came up to me and said, hey, my fuel gauge is, you know, I'm out of gas. Like, well, try turning the car on. Uh, nothing. It was completely dark. And, you know, that computer goes out. You can't do anything. You and can't do it. It, it kills your car. Yeah, it's, it's done. Plus, as I found yeah. out the next day, on one of the, it was a Volvo, I think. A Volvo was was struck, was uh, affected by it. The computer went out. It went to the to the dealership, I think it was, and it was twenty five hundred dollars to replace the the uh, computer chip. And oh. like, oh my god! Yay! And three of them, three of them got hit. <laughs> it was like just oh. boom, like that. And, and you know, it's it's yeah. it's just 
amazing what that does. And, and, and you know what, the, the high tech now is affected by it. I mean, if you're not careful with it, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't, you can't really. There's nothing know. to protect it, against in your cars. And yeah. it's surprising your bus wasn't affected. I mean, being that close, yeah. uh, I'm yeah. sure the bus had, had computer yep. chips and stuff in it. So. Oh, it's yeah. Uh, I was just. I think I was. I was probably two, two full bus links behind them. Uh, so it was still, about 80, no. 80, 90 feet, and I mean it was just like, just a, a flash and boom, and then that was it. I mean it was ooh, loud. Yeah. I mean just. Oh yeah, it's loud. Yeah, it's loud. Yeah, you, I've, you I've hear been, you hear thunder above your building, and you go, "Whoa, that was close." But when you get close, yes. it's like, "Oh, it's, yeah." It rings yeah. your ears. You know. just, wow. just incredible. Have yourself but, an exciting uh, experience with Florida Lightning. Yeah, that was that was Tuesday night. Tuesday night, and and you know it was it was cool because we didn't get any rain, you know, yet, uh, and it you know the the lightning was all around us, and then all of a sudden it it came in, and it was like I'm here, and I'm I'm going to affect people, and they're going to remember this. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> Yeah, sure enough, you remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. it, the point being, you know, watch the lightning when you're in Florida. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, anywhere, but Florida, we get it so much down here. It's just like, you know, constant storms and stuff. So, yep. Yeah, it's scary. I've been around them too, and I know what you mean by the loud and the flash, the, the light flashes. And you just you go, instantly when you go just, golfing, have you ever golfed and, and, you know, seen something like that approach? I mean, you get off the course, right? You, you leave. Oh, yeah. yeah. What they I, I was okay. – the one I remember, I was in uh, – uh, oh, what course? Were they closed the course down now? What was that course down with the Clearwater Airport? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I can't hear you. I guess that's – yeah, I can't remember. It's down by Clearwater Airport, Clearwater St. Pete Airport. And I was playing golf down there. I went down one day, and they've since closed the course down there. They're putting in homes. But I was down there, and I was, like, you know, already done the first nine. I was on the second nine. And all of a sudden, we looked across the – and it was right next to the airport, right next to the runway side there. And we looked across the runway, and on the north end of it – and that's water there on the north end mm-hmm. of it. There was a lightning bolt that came down and hit. And I don't know if it hit land or water and it just echoed through the golf course there. And everybody was in their carts driving back to the golf house. I mean, it's <laughs> like, Oh my God. You know, I bet it, it was, it was the, scary. Yeah. yeah. You're on the open on, on the golf course. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And, so, you know, it scared everybody. But, uh, yeah, that was the one I remember more than any of them. That, you know, most of the time yeah. you'll you'll see some way off. And they say be careful off in the distance. But uh, mm. when they start getting close like that, you start, you know, I've, I've been close enough to them where it's actually I can actually feel the hair on my arm stand up from the static like just in the air. And mm. That's, the, that's and I, scary. I've sure. heard that when that happens, I've heard, you know, you're supposed to hit the ground or do something to – you know, minimize yeah, as low as you can. To take yeah. yeah, I've uh, never had been that close to actually feel that. So, um, but yeah, yeah I don't know. It's, it's scary, but yeah. yeah, not not something uh, you fool around with that lightning. Yeah, it's, it's you know scary stuff it, down here. 
it causes all kinds of problems. It can cause fires. It can, you know, besides the, you know, hitting you personally, if it hits a house, if it hits, you know, something else, it, no. can, it can cause a fire and there's all kinds of stuff. Um, well, surge protectors. And, Everybody here has surge protectors. Mm-hmm. One of the things to tell you, always have everything hooked up to a surge protector yeah. because without it, you can be blowing out all sorts of equipment and electric components yep. in your home. You know, I just, yeah. and most insurance won't cover that either. I mean, that's the sad thing. About yeah. It, yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, it's that time. So there you go. Um, <laughs> are we summer? What are we summer. On? Yes. Uh, all about one. All about one. All about I was expecting wine. Kathy to go. Kathy probably was like, I thought they were talking about wine. Why is she he asking wait, about wait, a golf wait, course? Wait a minute. Thank you, Jenna. This is the wrong one. You are on All About Wine. Like we always yeah. say, sometimes we get off the subject. <laughs> Well, yeah, we normally we normally talk. You know, we have you know uh, sometimes ten, fifteen minutes or so to talk before the show, so we get that out of our system, right. and then the show starts, and we're like, oh, we're here to talk about wine. So there's there's things that right. we haven't covered. So you're hearing the stuff okay. that we would talk about before the show starts. Yeah, and they only give us fifteen minutes before the show, or else you know we That's true. you know we we would have more time. So. Yeah, so, oh, well, but it's interesting, a little entertainment for you when you listen to this episode. There you go. But we got, first thing, the wine I'm drinking tonight is called 19 Crimes. This is, uh, I mentioned this, this is out of Australia. Uh, They they have a series of wines called uh, 19 Crimes, and it tells about the bad guys and all that. On the back of this, it says, uh, well, this wine, this particular wine is 19 Crimes, The Uprising. Each declared by His Majesty to be the punish to be punishable on conviction by transport to transportation. Well, it's hard for me to read that. Um, this is a red wine aged 30 days in rum barrels, uh, 15% by alcohol, with a little criminal on the front of this. Uh, but there's a series of these out. This says the uprising, a new wine aged for 30 days in rum barrels, pays homage to Australia's Rum Rebellion of 1808. Due to the government's hindering of the rum trade, the rebellion was the only time a group of soldiers and citizens banded together to overthrow the government. A portion of this handcrafted wine has thus been aged for 30 days in rum barrels and is dark with jammy flavors and a smoky finish. Says to learn more about this and similar stories, please visit us at 19crimes.com. Um, I think 19 Crimes is, is just the name of all the wines around. I don't know who does this. The origin is southeastern Australia. Uh, it's a red wine. It doesn't tell what grace. Well, I'll tell you what. I can smell some Zinfandel in this, our Zinfandel-style vintage, 2017, 15% alcohol by volume. But really a nice wine. It's got some nice flavors. It's got some nice fruitiness to it. Uh, not the real heavy, dark red wine flavors you expect. This is a little bit lighter, and you're picking up some nice uh, nice texture in this. And uh, I, I just I really enjoy it. Uh, my brother-in-law recommended it to me, and so uh, it's a good choice. I picked it up, and it's a good choice. I think I paid, I don't know, 12, 15, something like that for this. So if you can see a chance, 19 crimes, uh, it's 
it's worth a it's worth a try, I think. So, uh, hmm. let's see. We we have things to talk about tonight. First thing I'm going to talk about is wildfire. Oh, let me give you a little bit of trivia here first. I've always said I'm going to throw out some trivia for a while here. I've got a stack of trivia here, and I'm going to go to you. This is the life of the winemaker. Harvest has already begun in many places around the world. This obviously is not the, the time for this causing some of us wine lovers to mush about how wonderful the life of a winemaker must be. Alas, the romanticized version of a winemaker's day usually bears little resemblance to reality. Here's a brief description. Quote, a real-life winemaker's day begins with sampling grapes in the dark and chill of the pre-dawn hours and ends in damp, juice-sticky clothes pumping over juice in the fermentation tanks at midnight. It means seldom seeing family and existing on coffee, burritos, and beer. And walking in a winemaker's shoes at crush time may result in uh, mildewed feet from constantly wearing rubber boots. So this person doesn't have this. I did. I was a winemaker. I enjoyed it. But there was times when I was putting in hours. I'd leave home here at 6 o'clock in the morning and wouldn't get back until late at night after a long day of bottling and blending and working and stuff like that. So it can create long hours, but uh, when you pull up that bottle and taste it and uh, say, wow, I did this, and it's something that's uh, worth it there. So just being a winemaker. A little bit more trivia later. First, there is a website out there, and let me pull it up for myself here again. Oops, can't get it there. There's a website out there called, well, actually, it's called WX Shift, S-H-I-F-T, WX Shift. This website shows the wildfires in America, and it talks about them, tells you where they are, and it has a little map of them and all that. And we've been hearing so much lately about the wildfires going on around the country, and especially in the West. Uh, You watch... Uh, your local news or even evening news on any of the three or four, there's four networks now, I keep saying three, but they're actually Fox's uh, network, but you watch evening news on any of the four networks and there's always something about the fires out west and the sensationalism, they really do, it's it's a news program and so they all do their bit of sensationalism and and how bad it is, and it is bad, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the wildfires aren't bad, they are very bad, but they don't really give you information about it. It just sort of hits it on a, a two or three minute uh, piece, and then that's it. Well, I was curious how much these fires might be affecting wineries and vineyards around the country. We all are very aware of what happened there last, well, what happened in Sonoma and Napa last September, October. And I was curious if these are starting to affect them, if these are anywhere near any vineyards. This map actually shows where the wildfires are around the country and what's happening. Now, these are larger fires. They, they are not the little bitty ones. Well, some of them are little. Uh, for example, in Washington State, there's a 317-acre fire called Little Camas. Uh, there's another in Washington State, uh, 385 acres called Washington Flats. But then there are some 
quite large ones around the country, like uh, Klamathon in northern Oregon, uh, southern Oregon, northern California, more northern California. That's already burned 36,500 acres, and they're throughout the country. What I did was not being able to find out any information about these fires, except for the fact that I just see that they're there. I got on the phone and I called some people in each of the states. Now, what I did is I got out my great big special book that I am a directory, 2018 directory, which has a list of uh, organizations, great growers' organizations and associations in each state. And I was able to find different associations in each state that uh, I would hope would give me more information on each of these fires. And I did talk to people. I talked to everybody in every state, except for Utah. Now, there is no association or organization. In fact, Utah doesn't even have a listing in my book here for any of these. I, I guess I would have to call maybe the Utah Travel Bureau or something like that to find out anything, but because they didn't have anything for the Wine Association. And Utah has a fire that's reasonably close to Salt Lake City called the Dollar Ridge Fire, which has burned 56,687 acres. They have one just south of that called the Trail Mountain Fire, and burned 18,311 acres. And then one down at the corner of Utah uh, toward uh, Nevada and, and uh, Arizona called the West Valley Fire, which has burned 11,771 acres. So there's some big ones there, but I, I couldn't find out anything about it. And the one in southern Utah might be affecting wineries down there because there's a winery right at the corner there, but I couldn't find out. I did get hold of others. Washington, I called the Washington Wine Industry Foundation. I talked to Vicki uh, Charlou, uh, who is the executive director, and she said no. There's no problem with fires at all in Washington. She said she hadn't heard anything about any wineries being threatened. The fires that she has heard reports on and has seen there are in wilderness areas, so therefore it's not as uh, as bad. Uh, oh, what happened there? Uh, huh. Well, my app just disappeared on me. Uh because this computer is acting up. Uh, she said it's, it's not as not as bad as uh, the... Why is this doing this? This computer is doing all sorts of weird stuff on me now. Um, okay, have you settled down? Are you going to let me do this? No, not yet. Uh, uh, well... Okay, there we go on that. Is it going to give me anything else or that I can pull up? No, it's not. All the stuff that I had here is closed on it. Hmm. Uh, that's okay. I can pull them up while I'm talking. But uh, the uh, Washington fire, she said there's no problems with it. Everything is fine. Everything is looking good. She hasn't heard any problems at all, and everything is is fine. So that's good news out of Washington. Got a hold of the president 
John Aguirre from the California Association of Wine Grape Growers. Uh, he said there's no problems there with anything. He said it did some major problems, obviously, last fall in the fires Napa and Sonoma, but the fires that are out throughout California right now are nowhere near affecting any wineries or vineyards that he has heard of, and he usually says he gets reports. So therefore, uh, from what he has to say, no, there's not a problem at all. Uh, he said that uh, smoke tank might be a problem on areas, but he hasn't heard anything about that either. So uh, that's... Uh, let me see if this map will show smoke taint. No, it won't even. Uh, so there's no problem at all anywhere. It says there's a small fire north of Sacramento that might give a problem to the area with smoke, but he hasn't heard anything about that. So uh, he said it's, as far as he knows, and everything's doing well, and there's not, a, not an issue. Got a hold of New Mexico. Uh, I tried to call an association, and for some reason I wouldn't go through, so I called the winery, Ponderosa Valley Winery. Now, Ponderosa Valley is located in the northwestern part of New Mexico. It's west of Santa Fe, Los Alamos, and that area there. The fires in New Mexico are located in the western edge, right next to the Arizona state line, uh, in the forest areas there. And then they're also located in the uh, north, uh, central, eastern, with north of Santa Fe and Los Alamos, that area there. He said, no problem. He said, but in areas of New Mexico, he said, it's dry. They need some snow in the winters to start bringing up the snow melt. And uh, he said he's, they aren't getting it. There's, it's an issue on some of the areas there. And so he said, not a problem. I, I told him. I, there was no way, there's no organization I can get a hold of. And he says, yeah, there is. He said, call the New Mexico uh, Wine. Uh, if you want to check it out yourself, it's nmwine.com. And he said, "There's that's good. So I did, and I got through to Chris Goblet, who is the executive director of New Mexico Wine. And he said, no problems. He said, the rains, they're, they're monsoon season. Just started, he says. So most of New Mexico is starting to get rains now. They they what they call their monsoon season this time of year when the summer rains come in. And he said they're getting rains in areas of much needed rain. He said it's not enough yet. He said, but it just started their summer pattern. Just started and their summer monsoons just started. So it's starting to pick up and they're starting to get the water they need and all that, which has helped controlling the fires. And from what he said. Fires aren't giving any problems to any wineries or any areas that could be uh, a problem. And then, got a hold of Colorado. Now, Arizona, no fires listed, and, and but uh, got a hold of Colorado. Colorado's got uh, uh, 10, let's see, three, six, eight fires going on. Now, these are larger fires. They don't show them on this map unless they're larger fires. And uh, the 416 fire, which is in southern Colorado, has burned 54,129 acres. Uh, Just west of that, almost 5,000 acres, 4,500 acres of the Burrow fire. 
there's uh, another fire uh, west of Denver, 6,300 acres, and another one, 1,000 acres closer to the western border, and then one right at the border of Montana and Colorado, 21,196 acres, and then one right outside of Denver, the Sugarloaf Fire, 1,200 acres. But he said there's one down by Colorado Springs. He says there's a big fire down by Colorado Springs. Springs. I said, well, I got it here. It's the Western Pass Fire. The Weston, not Western, Weston. I said, that's 13,000 acres. Acre. He says, no, no. He said, this one, he says, is much larger. He says, it's burned some very expensive homes and stuff. He says, they're talking about, you know, 100,000 acres. And it's not on this map. He goes, I told him the site. He pulled it up while I was talking to him. And he goes, no, it's not. He said, we just had this big fire. He says, it's been all over the news. He said, in fact, he says, I'm looking at this morning's newspaper. He said, they're talking about it. And he was in Denver. Um, his name, actually, uh, Doug Kasky, uh, the, uh, he's the uh, executive director of Colorado Wine Industry Development Board. And he said the Spring Creek Fire was the one. He said it was in the paper, 108,000 uh, 108, acres uh, south of Colorado Springs. He said there's there's nothing. He said it's not here on this map. So I don't know why either unless they've got a contain, which I don't think so. So that's a big fire that for some reason is not on this map. As we were talking, I said, well, there's – I said, you got a couple of fires down south there. Is it, you know, the Burrow Fire and the 416 Fire? And he said, yeah, he said, the 416 Fire. He said, now the big one, the, the Spring Creek Fire, they caught somebody on that. He said it was somebody that was uh, careless with uh, with campfires. He said, and that's what started that fire. And they, they caught the person who did that. He said, but the one down south, the, the one that you were just talking about, uh, the 416 Fire, he said, there is a train that runs down there. He said, it's an old cold train with the, you know, the smokestack and everything. He said, it's a tourist train. It travels, I, I don't know, a number of miles. He didn't say how many miles, but he said it, it travels a number of miles. He said, and it's just, he says, big money. He said, it's big money. People ride this train so they get to experience with the old trains and stuff. And he said, uh, uh, I, I said, you know, like the Wild Wild West television show train. He said, yeah, it's like that. He said, it's just, you know, and it's something people love to travel and all that. He said, but, he said, this train spits out sparks really a lot. He said, in fact, behind that train, there's a fire engine train that follows it and puts out fires. And that's, you know, when it travels back and forth, You've got this fire engine train or this fire train that is following it. And he said, and they might not have been able to contain the sparks enough for that 416 fire and it developed into a major forest fire. He said, and then happens. He said, now, he says, I don't know if there's going to be anything going to happen major with it. He said, but I do know that there's a lot of very expensive homes that got burned in that 416 fire. Actually, it's just north of Durango, uh, if you want to check it out. But he said there are some very expensive homes. 
in that area. And he said because of the very expensive homes, he said there's a good possibility that they may do some more about that uh, that train, uh, regulate it more, required to have more of a uh, suppressor or something, he said, because that obviously the trail train is not doing the job it's supposed to be doing. So uh, that's it. Nothing's nothing's affecting wineries. Nothing's affecting vineyards. Nothing's affecting anything on the uh, on the wildfires out west. I did see a small fire in southern Florida. It was uh, down by the Everglades. It was uh, it showed it there when I first pulled this map up about Tuesday. It was uh, there was a small fire down there. When I looked at it today, it was gone. So it must have been controlled. But as far as fires go, as far as all the fires out west, the wildfires are not affecting wineries and they're not affecting vineyards or anything else. And also the smoke taint is not an issue. So there you go. Um, let me give you a little bit more trivia here quickly. Uh, this is, uh, when you think of wine country, North Dakota probably doesn't spring to mind. But in 2002, North Dakota became the 50th state to produce wine. In spring of that year, Jeff and Diane Peterson and Ken and Cindy uh, Eagleston of Burlington acquired a state license for their farm winery called Point of View. The small two-family operation concentrates on fruit wines, but markets one red made from an obscure, cold-hearty grape known as Frontenac. We've heard of Frontenac. We've mentioned that before. So, the beginnings of the winery in South or in North Dakota, the last state in the nation to to make wine, or to join us in making wine. Okay, now I mentioned. Oh, what was it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Uh, maybe longer, maybe three weeks ago. I mentioned something about <coughs> excuse me uh, about the hailstorms that hit in the uh, Bordeaux region in France back in the middle of May. It you know since it was that long, it might have been you know four or five weeks ago, but I mentioned the hell storms that hit in that area and the devastation, I said, was quite a bit. If you are a wine spectator, spectator reader, the August 31st issue, which is the current one, uh, they are obviously quite far ahead, but the August 31st issue has a little article here on the devastating hell storm strike in Bordeaux. It, uh, I, I, I mean, jump through this article and read you some, some numbers here. It says the destructive path that it took through the Bordeaux region on May 26th, that was just two days after small storms struck the Madoc on May 21st. The overall damage is substantial. 17,544 acres of vines were affected. 
and more than 8,400 acres suffered as much as 80% damage. This is according to the Bordeaux Wine Trade Group, CIVB. There were leaves torn off, the flower buds torn off, and the wood suffered a major impact, which means that the sap won't circulate well to the vine this year. So it it did a number there. Uh, This is from uh, uh, Roman Terdias, viticulture consultant. Uh, The first two storms were small, but in the Madoc, 2,965 acres of vines were damaged with 988 acres enduring 80% damage. Uh, they're saying it's impossible to say how much loss, but it's going to have to wait and see on some of this, but it was uh, the storm impacted nearly half of uh, the vineyards around through the area. The uh, On May 26th, which was uh, the hailstorm, Growers in Borg and Bly washed as hail hit 13,590 acres, with 7,413 suffering more than 80% damage. The, the impacted uh, 25 acres, the one area impacted 25 acres of white wine grapes uh, so severely they don't think they're going to be able to put out a crop of white wine. Bordeaux wasn't the only region, and cognac hail the size of ping pong balls hit the vines. Uh, early estimates say 25,000 acres were damaged there. And it says, uh, it's given the timing, there are the vines will not be producing this year. Uh, there's only about uh, eight to 10 days from flowering, and it hit right right before it started to flower, right at bud break. And it knocked off a lot of the buds and all that. So it's not going to get a crop from some of those. It's This is even more devastating in the region because in April 2017, there was a bad frost, a spring frost. And the frost destroyed uh, partial or total crops in some areas. And then it's followed up with the hailstorms this year. Uh, they said it could last over until 2019. Uh, the wood damage is so bad and fragile that it could last until next year and, and give a problem even with some of the growth and some of the vines next year trying to get a decent crop out of it. These, uh, this is the third year in six years where they've had a natural disaster, and they are saying climate change is the reason for it. Uh, they're saying it's uh, the sustainability of the activities in the region are, are in question, and they're looking at what can be done or, if anything, in the area to stop some of the problems that they're getting because of this. And the future, they're not sure. They're looking at uh, the questions of what can or can't be done or if it's going to be sustainable to continue. Very few, by the way, had crop insurance because crop insurance is so expensive. And it is everywhere, which is absolutely ridiculous. But it is very expensive everywhere. But you can understand why if you're in an insurance company, uh, but if you're 
a business crop insurance would really save you a lot. So, so uh, that was that. Now, let me uh, – a couple of announcements for wineries coming up. Uh, always like to let you know about that. Walsh Vineyards. Uh, Walsh Vineyards and the uh, General Sutter Inn, S-U-T-T-E-R, Sutter Inn. Uh, Walsh Vineyards is located in uh, Mannheim, Pennsylvania at 1599 Old Line Road, Mannheim, Pennsylvania. That's www.waltzvineyard.com. But Sunday, July 15th, which is this Sunday, uh, join in for a summer evening at the General Sutter Inn. Uh, the socials at 5.30, dinner at 6. The price, $80, and includes tax and gratuity. A five-course meal prepared by Chef Tony Jones. It's also paired with five of the Walsh Vineyards award-winning wines for each course. Five-course meal, five wines. Uh, the uh, last one they had sold out quickly, so they're saying reserve your spots if you're in the area. First course consists of watermelon salad, feta cheese, fresh lemon, mint, and the 2017 Sauvignon Blanc. Second course is crab cake, avocado cream, heirloom tomato, crispy pancita with a 2016 Old Line Chardonnay. Third course, pork bracola is the pronounced, spinach, pine nuts, fresh herbs, Diablo sauce, and the 2017 Fusion is the wine. Fourth course consists of Blue Moon goat cheese, peaches, port wine reduction, and 2016 Baird Rock Red. And you finish it up with triple chocolate mousse cake with fresh raspberries. And with that, they're serving a 2014 Crow Woods Cabernet. So it sounds fantastic. You know, very good meal, very interesting there. So if you are in the area, again, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, are you interested in that? $80, that is all inclusive, 80 per person. Social 530, dinner at 6, and uh, it sounds like a, a great meal. The weather should be nice up there from what they're saying. It's, it's still going to be warm, but you're not going to get storms or anything. So something to look forward to in uh, in that area. Let me see. Let's go back here. I've got another one for you, too, that is, okay, a couple more. Um, Tablas Creek Vineyard. Uh, Tablas Creek, uh, the Tablas Creek blog, uh, is new issues now, talking about uh, their tasting notes from their newest wines, the uh, 2012 Esperit de Tablas Blanc. And the 2010 Esprit de Bocastle. Uh, they're uh, blends, both of them, by the way. Uh, but uh, they, uh, oh, uh, they're offering a collector's edition shipment and all sorts of stuff now on it. So check out their Tablas Creek. I've, I've mentioned this before. Uh, 
the Tablas Tablas Creek blog, Tablas T A B L A S Creek. And let's see, this is uh, uh, is this one or what? No, this isn't. This is something that's not gonna Oh, here it is, Whispering Oaks. Whispering Oaks, I bring this up a lot, don't I? Whispering Oaks is located in Oxford, Florida. They are going to have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night steaks, as they always do, $27.50 per person. A choice of porterhouse or ribeye or wild caught Alaskan salmon, plus all the goodies and sides and everything, pumpernickel bread baked in their oven and all. And entertainment the whole time, plus their wines. They got some nice wines. I've been there. I talked to the winemaker there and the people from that winery. Good people uh, and a lot of fun. Uh, very educational. www.winesofflorida.com. They're located in Oxford, which is west of the villages. So anybody that lives up in that area there, it's west of the villages uh, on the west side of I-75. Fun, entertainment, good food, and all that up there uh, coming up this weekend. And let's see. I thought I had, yeah, there we go. We got another one here. Keith Joshua Vineyards, August the 25th, from 11 to 5, live music all day, the Magdalena Bash Harvest. Magdalena Bash Harvest coming up then. Uh, the uh, Keith Joshua Vineyards and Elgin will host the 10th Annual Magdalena Bash and Harvest Festival from 11 to 5. Several new Arizona wine releases will be there. Food vendors, a Hina tattoo artists, and much more are featured. Uh, new wine releases uh, will be there, including the 2016 Maldivia Bianca, uh, the 2016 Magdalena which is 80% Barbera, 20% Cabernet Franc, and the 2015 Syrah, plus some summer whites. Live music performance uh, and uh, different. And uh, Jordy will be highlighted for the weekend. She is the daughter of pop singer Melanie. I don't know, for all of you old-timers, Melanie sang, I got a brand new pair of roller skates where her daughter will be there at this. Um, the Hina artist will be there tasting, $15 uh, for tasting that uh, includes a souvenir glass and five one-ounce pours. So if you are interested in this, it's a uh, uh, big thing down there, and that's in southern Arizona. Uh, Keith Joshua is located at... Uh, uh, Elgin, Arizona, which is in southern south of Tucson, 370 Elgin Road. Uh, if you want to get a hold of them, it's kj-vineyards.com or 520-455-5582. Uh, great people. Great. I, I know Keith very well, and it needs really... Uh, a good kid. I, I say kid. He's you know half my age, but he does a great job on his wines and stuff. And uh, he just he's really uh, 
really good at what he does. So, and beautiful place down there. Nice vineyard, nice, beautiful place. So, check that out. Uh, Let's see. Let me find this blog here. Is this the one I want? Yes. Okay. For some reason, this computer lost everything. Just a little bit ago, I was talking to you. And and there we go. Uh, Now, if it'll pull it up, I'll... Explain well while it's doing that. Let me let me give you a little bit of trivia here. Math majors, it's your day. Here's some fun stats. One bottle of wine contains 25.4 ounces of wine, or about four six and a half ounce glasses. Actually, that's too big. It should be five ounces. It should be five. Or uh, should be, you know, five five ounce pours. One case of wine is 12 bottles or about 48 glasses, and one barrel of wine contains about 25 cases. Actually, it's 24.6 uh, to be more exact, but or about 12,000 glasses of wine. And that's going on six-ounce pours, so that's, you know, actually should be getting more than 12,000. It should be getting close to 13,000 uh, per case. So uh, a little bit of... Sizes for you there. Why did this stick right in there? So, okay, it's got a. This article says a surprisingly high number of Virginia wineries are not registering trademarks. The reason this caught my eye, and since I am no longer operating Florida State's winery, I'm going to pass this on to you. About four years ago, I guess it's been. I received a letter from a winery in Virginia, and I don't remember the winery's name, but it was from a lawyer saying, cease and desist, using the name Plantation Blush. And I went, what? And it said, you know, the Plantation Blush is our name. We're using it. You should not be using it. Cease and desist. We have been using it since... uh, um, June of 2002, and it is our name, and you can't use it. Well, a lot of times, different states will use the same names on stuff, I, especially small wineries. It's usually not an issue in small wineries because they don't go anywhere. If you plan on shipping out of state or something like that, I can see the problem, okay? If this winery is planning on coming into Florida and they have a plantation blush and we're trying to come into Florida, it might be an issue there, but otherwise, you know, so I sort of like ignored it. I wasn't too concerned about it. And I, I got a, another letter, you know, you know, this is in follow-up to it. Uh, let us know as soon as you've eliminated. Well, I'm thinking, I'm not going to eliminate Plantation Blush. I had labels all over the place. I had menus. I had Plantation Blush as part of the whole thing. Well, the second letter said, and while you're at it, quit using Plantation in front of everything. Plantation white, plantation red, plantation spice, plantation, I mean, everything. They wanted me to quit using the name plantation in front of all my wines that I had plantation on. And so I started to do some research, and I called the state, and I found out that we had our wines registered, and they were legally registered through TTB in December of 2001. 
we actually predated them by about seven months, seven, eight months. And so one of the owners of the winery was a lawyer. One of the sub owners uh, was a lawyer. And so I contacted him and I said, I'm going to make up a letter. I just want you to sign it with your lawyer name on it. And he says, okay, you know, get it to me. And I, I wasn't in one day. I was off one day and a call came in from the winery asking for me. And they said I wasn't there. And so they said, okay, we'll call them later. And I never got another call from them. And because I didn't hear from them again, I didn't send a letter to the lawyer and let him write it up and send it in. I just ignored it. And that was like, what, five, six years ago. And it was dropped. I never heard anything else. So I don't know what it was all about. I don't know if they if they found out that I had the name registered in Florida already and in you know through TTB, but I never heard anything else from them. So, but when I saw this, it says that uh, Virginia wineries are not doing not registering their their names, their trademark names, and it, it caught my eye. But this little chart here is the one that caught my eye, I think, more than anything. Number of wineries in the United States per the TTB. That's the um, Trade Bureau. Okay, uh, the uh, uh, Tobacco and, and, and Trade Bureau, Tobacco and, and uh, Beer and Wine, all that. That's the one that controls this. Number of wineries through TTB. Now, the, when I start looking at these numbers, I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, that's not true. But it says trademark data was obtained through the uh, trademark electronic search system. And it accrued the search results for live trademark application registrations relating to wine based on the assumption that a given trademark applicant registrant is located in the state listed in the applications. Efforts were made to minimize the resulting inflated numbers in Nevada and Delaware. All right. So. First column here, all of the number of wineries in the United States, 12,390. I went, whoa, that's a lot of wineries in the United States. Uh, I thought it was like, you know, 4,000 less than that. You know, I thought it was about 8,000 and something. But this is showing the number of wineries registered per TTB, 12,390. Alaska has eight. Alabama 38, Arkansas 35, Arizona 100, California 4,807, which is reasonable. Colorado 192, Connecticut 71, District of Columbia they're saying has seven wineries. Delaware they're saying has eight, but they're saying Florida has 115. I thought, what? I don't see where Florida gets 115 wineries. I, I, Unless, well, no matter how you stretch your mind, it's just hard to imagine Florida with 115 wineries. But 84, Georgia, Hawaii, 12, Iowa, 140. Then it goes on down here to the list, everything. Michigan, 461. Kansas, 55, which just seems like an awful lot for Kansas, too. Um, Missouri, 233, which seems like way too many for Missouri. But this is what they're based on, registered through TTB. New York, 577. Uh, 
South Dakota, 35. I just read North Dakota. Their new one started. Now they this shows 22. Um, let's see, where is this? Okay. But just a, a, a tremendous amount of wineries, too. And I don't know where they get it. Worst in 1,073. Wyoming, 9. Texas, 588. But then they... This goes on to talk about check down this chart oh this is a spreadsheet so this is I wonder it's going so but they also talk about number of restorations how number of trademarks and what they have number of restorations and applications for wines and obviously you're going to get more because the wineries are going to have multiple wines California 11,300 and 34 registered wines. Florida, 807 registered wines. And these numbers are just so outrageous on these. Uh, they show Florida at number three in the numbers that are registered. Uh, Iowa with 140 wineries has 39 registered. I mean, I, I you know, some of the wineries I've been to have 12, 15 wines, and that's so people aren't registering out of all these states. Massachusetts, 345. They're ranked number eight in number of wine. Delaware has 55 registered. They're ranked number four. Um, California, even with 11,334 registered, based on per winery restorations, they're, they're way down at number 16. So I just thought this was an interesting little chart here showing that a lot of wineries aren't registering their labels, which it's a protection. Why not? Why not get them in and get them registered? The COLA system, the, the system we got to go through for label approval, uh, is a very simple process now. You can do it online. You just have to send it in, and they'd send it back to you with corrections, and you'd send it in again, and it would take you know, months, almost literally. Now it's you can get it approved in a matter of days online. But this chart, it was just amazing how few are actually registering their labels uh, for their wines. And because of the story I just told you, it's probably one of the reasons why this Virginia winery contacted me because they were trying to register that, trying to scare me into not using it. And since I don't know, they called me and I never did. They never called me again, so I don't know what it was all about. But just the you know the, the number of wineries registered though per TTB is just amazing. I I don't know if there any page on the TTB actually shows you the number of wineries. And you say I have to check that out and see if it does. But it's just uh. It's a, uh Makes me shake my head on the numbers there. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's see. I'm, uh, let's see what else. I think. Oh, here I got a couple more quick things to talk about here too. Uh, before we get out of here tonight, the Amazon is expanding their wine delivery service. All right, we've all known that Amazon is doing wine delivery, but they're expanding it now. And the reason they can can expand it is because of the fact that they bought out uh, 
uh, Whole Foods, and and Whole Foods is actually a presence in each state. And so they are able to actually have a presence, which like a the, the old rules were you have to have a presence and the charge tax and all that. They do. They have a presence with Whole Foods. And because of that, they're able to expand their delivery and grow. And growing they are. This article goes on and starts throwing out some potential numbers, which is just, you know, it's Amazon. We all know whenever you talk about Amazon, it's always big numbers. You know, that's all there is to it. So they are uh, able to, uh, they're operating legally in Texas. And so therefore they have a warehouse uh, there uh, and, you know, different licenses and stuff that, uh, they have, they said, because of the different places in Texas where the warehouses are, they can get wine to anything ordered in Texas within two hours. Uh, well, any order of a minimum of $35 within two hours. If you want it within one hour, there's an extra seven ninety nine fee. But anywhere in Texas, you can get wine that fast. Why would you need it that fast? I don't know. But if you do, you can get it there through Amazon. I guess wines you can't find elsewhere, but, you know, even waiting. But uh, Amazon is is going bigger and bigger all the time, and because of their acquisition of Whole Foods, they are able to uh, just become, uh, what, too big? Okay, and then one last one uh, I, I found here. And this is a very short article, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to find anything to follow up on this because of the location. This is, and because it's such a short article, I will just go ahead and read you the whole thing. It says, Harare, H-A-R-A-R-E, Harare, Zimbabwe, is being reported that one man has died and up to 70 others have fallen ill in Victoria Falls, Zimbabwe, after consuming what they thought was red wine left over by tourists. It's believed this tainted drink was found at a local dump site in the resort town. The state-run chronicle says uh, Bonjini Simbenda died two days after consuming the liquid. He's reported to have shared what he believed to be red wine with his brother and other curio sellers at Victoria Falls uh, uh, Takazani Craft Market last week. Okay, and the Victoria Falls has all these vendors and everything around it and all that. It is a tourist area. Local reports say up to 70 people have now fallen ill, although many can't afford to get treatment. A government health official told the Chronicle samples of the liquid the vendors drank has been taken for test. The private newspaper paper says the liquid was found in a local dump site and the vendors thought it was alcohol discarded by tourists. That's all. That's the article. That's all I have. I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow up and find any information on this or not. But uh, 
if I find anything else about it, I will let you know. I will try to see something. But I saw that, and you're just going, dying because, and it caught my eye originally because uh, the article said, one dead, 70 others fall sick in Zimbabwe from tainted red wine. And that's what caught my eye on it. And that's why I read it. But it was found in a dump. So, so there we go. Okay. Uh, going to find see if there's anything in information on there, but I don't see any. Uh, yeah, I looked a little bit. I just, you know, yeah. and I couldn't oh, find maybe, anything. Uh, maybe next week. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll search more and see if I can't yeah, find it's, anything. It's yeah, I, this is the eyewitness news uh, from ewn.co.za. So it's, it's this is out of Zimbabwe. I, uh, so I, I don't know if we can find anything else or not. But it'd be interesting yeah. to find out. They said they turned it in for for analysis. It'd be interesting to see what they analyzed and what they found uh, yeah. on that wine. So. Yeah. So there we go. Let's see. I got something. Let me let me look here quick. I think I got something else I want to mention here. Another quick report, if I can find it quickly here. And if it's one that. Uh, oh, here we go. <coughs> I haven't gave. Well, I haven't gotten any papers in. Uh, I haven't given real estate in a while. Uh, because I haven't gotten my paper in, which I normally normally read from. But this caught my eye. Uh, and if you want to check this out, there's pictures of it and all that. Uh, this is uh, in, in uh, the Rob Report, R-O-B-B-R-E-P-O-R-T, the Rob Report. But this is a 100-acre wine country estate in the Bay Area, lists for $25 million. It comes with eight acres of vineyards and a 5,000-bottle cellar. Uh, it's beautiful. They have a picture of it here. Uh, and actually, they have 17 pictures of it here. And it's just absolutely unbelievable, $25 million. Um, it, the... Uh, Ken Serenity Lane is what it's called. It's a 100-acre property located in Alamo. And Alamo is around 30 miles from San Francisco. Uh, Alamo, I've been through Alamo. It's up in the hills a little bit there. It's, it's uh, Livermore, uh, down closer to Livermore area, across hills. Surrounded by rolling hills and vineyards, uh, the Northern California estate was designed with wine affinados in mind. 12,000 square feet, the main residence, uh, French Chateau style, which it is. The picture show you that. Imported limestone fireplaces, crystal chandeliers, 12 bedrooms, 13 full baths, 3 half baths. It is further boistered by a car museum that can hold up to 20 cars. has a music room, uh, multiple entertaining areas, a one-bedroom guest house, as if the 12 bedrooms are not enough in the main house. Uh, the uh, wine and MTs, they say is what's going to be 
what sells the place. Uh, it's got an exquisite below ground wine cellar uh, and with capacity to hold 5,000 bottles. It is uh, an eight acres of vineyards. Uh, it says brings the charm of Napa to your back door. Uh, Alamo, I'm thinking Alamo. Alamo is north of Concord, Walnut Creek, uh, uh, not not Livermore Valley. It's north of that, just up by the river a little bit more. Um, this is uh, sparkling pool, adjacent pool house, uh, numerous hiking trails are minutes away. Uh, the Iron Horse Trail, a uh, 33-mile scenic view that connects the communities of Concord and Dublin. So it's just north uh, of Concord there in, in the Walnut Creek area. Uh, hills and vineyards and fertile before your eyes. Uh, the property has been listed at $25 million. So if you've got uh, a little bit of pocket change hanging around, there you go. you got a place for you. But beautiful place. Again, the Rob Report and uh, you can just search for the house homes for sale and you'll pop up there. That just that caught my eye because I'm always talking about real estate. So the, whenever you hear me say something that's one or two or three million dollars, A, that's chump change. Twenty-five million. <laughs> I wonder who I wrote the yeah. check out to. I've got a check right here. <laughs> Do you? Do you have it already? 20, uh, 20, did you take um, it from? Hmm? Did you take it from the All About Wine account? Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, it's a yeah. business expense again. Yes, we can we can share it. And, yeah, That's right. Out. You want to okay. lease it for the weekend? It's going to cost you two million <laughs> for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, until sure. the check clears, I mean, if, if the check clears, yeah, it'll be two million. But un, until the check clears, it'll be twenty-five million. So, uh, <laughs> and that'll that's a down payment. Uh, as soon as you can yeah. pay that, let me know. Put the funds that's in right. the bank. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. well, so twenty-five million. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, it's a, they said it was made for the wine enthusiast. They said that because of, of all course. the amenities. I don't know, wine enthusiast. Somebody will buy it. Mm. Really? Uh, okay. So. <laughs> so there we go for another week. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And and the, we should and. every reason to celebrate. No audio issues this week. Did we? Have, we didn't have any next last week, did we? Uh, no. Last week. No, was good. I don't think so. Last week. This week is good. My computer. Flash and did all sorts of weird stuff for a while there, but I was, I was able to flow right through it like there was nothing wrong. So you know, yay. Uh, that's it. It was, it was good that's stuff. It. Um, lots of notes. So there you go. Page no, no, no fires to worry about. So nope. far, that in fact, every one of my talk to said that they said so far. Everyone yeah. put those two words so far. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't jinx it or don't don't uh, mess don't. mess up the trend. Um, That's right. Hmm. All so. right. I guess uh, we will close the show for this evening and uh, save this before I lose it. We will uh, be back here ne- next week, which will be July nineteenth. 
July 19th. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, we're just sailing through uh, summer here. And uh, we're thank you for joining us tonight. 2018. 2018, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be over. As long as you don't get killed by lightning strikes you know, before then. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's a big problem. So, um, that is. See, uh, everybody uh, next week. Uh, thanks for tuning next in again. Week? And it'll be 7 p.m. Be Eastern time right here. Mm-hmm. And, and enjoy it and uh, have a great weekend that's coming up as well. And all those events uh, coming up, uh, check them out if you're in those areas. So uh, that yeah. uh, sounds like some, cool. some good times. And uh, yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, or even your local good, winery. I'm sure local wineries have a lot of good stuff going on too in the summer. Oh, yeah. So check out your local wineries for that stuff too. So. Yep, definitely. So yeah. Um, we'll see you all next time. Uh, thanks again. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.